And you know what it was? I saw a card in Target. I was looking for a birthday card for someone and I opened this card and it said, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And I was like, oh, I would act again. And it just hit me and I, I kind of had to like start exploring it again. Yay, bravo, bravo. Welcome everyone, my name is Paul Vato and this is Paul Vato Presents. Today, my guest is Lauren Locks, and she is an actor, writer, director, uh, show creator. So thank you so much for being here. Lauren, thank you for taking time to do Paul Vato Presents. Of course. I'm, I'm happy we're finally getting to do this because we've been connecting on social media for a while. We certainly have. And I mean, I think if anything, that's uh, I like to look on the positive side of things. I think that's one of the positive things that came out of quarantine and COVID is uh, was the proliferation of social audio. But we never get to do this unless we're helping each other with an audition or things like that. Not that you you and I have yet, but uh, there was something else that I wanted to talk to you about was like we audition and and, and apps like that. But uh, this is wonderful that we actually get to now chat face to face and to do it uh, over this format. So thank you so much. For for doing that and it's it's, uh, it's it's an honor and a pleasure to get to chat with you oh same same honor and a pleasure to chat with you i like the fact that you're in texas is that correct yeah i'm in austin keep it is weird. that where you grew up no i actually grew up in houston and i moved to austin about six years ago was it uh because of the acting or why, why did you move to austin is there better scene there or yeah it was definitely because of acting um a couple of personal reasons too and also i figured if i was going to stay in texas which is not the plan for the rest of my life but if i was going to be here austin was the city i was going to live in because it's very green everyone's very accepting but also i was driving three hours back and forth to auditions so it just made sense to actually be here that makes perfect sense because so if you were already driving to Austin, might as well move there. It, it's it's a great city. Uh, I I'm guessing before you were born, <laughs> I performed at the Paramount Theater. Does that is there a theater oh, there yeah. named the Paramount Theater? Yeah, back in the yes. back in the 1900s uh, when the Big Stinking Improv Festival <laughs> uh, was going on in Austin. Uh, my my Latino improv group, Salsation, which then became Barrio Speedwagon, uh, we performed at uh, at the Paramount Theater in Austin. It was such a great experience, and it's too bad that that improv festival went away because it was it was one of the highlights of our year. Was going to Austin to the Big Stinking Improv Festival. Yeah, that's that's a great improv troupe name, by the way. But um, <clears throat> Paramount is still still going strong. They still have a lot of South by premieres there, and a lot of. Um, you know, live shows, a lot of po like live podcasts will be up on the stage and, and do that at Paramount too. Really? Well, you're going to have to sign us up so that we can do that the next time there's uh, South by is going on or some other event, because yeah. that would be, that would be a great highlight to kind of full circle, go back to the Paramount theater. And then we also performed at a, at a small venue called maybe the Velveeta room. Does that 
still? I don't know if that's still. There is a, um, there's a, I believe the Velvet Room, maybe, might still that, be there. That could be it. It's been a long but time. But Velveeta. <laughs> I like Velveeta. I like Velveeta too. It's, it's well, it's cheesy, <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. Who I doesn't like love it. cheese? Who does? Oh, that's, that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in the Chicagoland area, so very close to Wisconsin. And we call them cheese heads. So, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, so, so tell me then about growing up in in Texas. Is your family also uh, in the arts, or did they have something to do with you getting into acting, or are you? Uh, did you go off no. on your own? There? <laughs> I am like the rainbow sheep of the family. Like they are all very much uh, teaching oil and gas, and both of my brothers are into computer science, that kind of stuff. And so when I got into, I started acting at age seven. That was when I found it. And um, it just, yeah, all of them were looking at me like I was crazy. Like, why would you want to get up on stage and do that? But it just, you know, we know, like it just feels right. Yeah, when you see it, when you do it, you're like, okay, this, this is home. Uh, it was like when I f- watched my first improv show, and I was already older, you know, I was way older uh, than when you started, which is which is great, though, that you found your calling early and are able to then, you know, make a living at it or, or you know, do um, enjoy doing it and whatnot. Uh, but uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Forget stand-up. Uh, because I initially wanted to get into stand-up, but then I, I, I went to the Improv Olympic in Chicago and I was like, oh, man, when I saw them do improv, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. So that's wonderful that you were able to discover it so young. And But I hope that your family was supportive then. Yeah, they they were back then. And then when I went to college, they were like, we're not we're not paying for a theater degree. So I ended up getting a bachelor's in public relations. So I have like some PR and marketing background, did that for a couple of years and decided I still wanted to act. So then about seven years ago, I jumped into the film and TV world instead of the theater world. So it was a whole new challenge that I started seven years ago. Oh, that's wonderful. Did you take any acting classes or anything while you were in college as part of your curriculum or was it strictly all you know PR and business and, and all that? I took one and it was really funny because I was very, very, very nervous to try it again after being back out of it. You know, when you get so used to performing, but then you step out of the spotlight or you take a break for a year or two, it's a nerve wracking thing to put yourself out there again. And you know what it was? I saw a card in Target. I was looking for a birthday card for someone and I opened this card and it said, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And I was like, oh, I would act again. And it just hit me and I, I kind of had to like start exploring it again. That's wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I feel like a lot of times people will, you know, tune into a show, whether it's, it's my podcast or any other podcast and something will hit them and it'll maybe be life changing. So thank you for sharing that. But, but you're right. What a great philosophy. What would, what was it? What would you do if you knew that you couldn't fail? Yes. That's amazing. <clears throat> that is amazing. Um, so, and then uh, what about your training? You, you, have you done uh, training then after college? 
were you did you take acting classes or improv or comedy or writing or what walk me through that a little bit yeah um i did a little bit of improv in school and then afterwards i started when i decided I actually kind of hilarious story of when I actually did jump back into acting because I had no idea what I was doing. Very different from the theater world. And um, then I started taking some classes in Houston and they were um, pretty much like self-tape classes before self-tapes were a big thing. But here in Texas, and I think probably in the Southeast, self-taping was a little bit more of the norm before other markets just because, you know, we're not in LA. But um, so I did some of that. And then I did some, I like to do some stunt training. And then I did some more on camera classes. And then recently, I did a couple of the classes with Erica Bream and uh, Kara Shoot Rosenbaum, who are amazing. And they've all been basically um, tape focused. Most of most of my training has but luckily some of those are varying in the types of things that they have you study for. And I feel like each one kind of teaches you something different. So it's not all just like the same. And you, you know, because you probably train too, but you learn something different with every coach you study with. You absolutely do. And I think that that's what makes a well-rounded, well, not just actor, but almost anything in life is I try to learn a little bit from, from everyone and then you kind of filter it through and then you keep what what speaks to you and what works and you kind of let the other stuff go so that's wonderful that you're doing that but especially uh, what fascinates me is maybe the stunt training have you had a lot of that not a ton but i have done i mean i had to specifically recently i had to re-up a little bit of um the training because I did a film where I actually had to do a little bit of fighting. I had to do an actual fight choreography and a little bit of stunt work. And actually, you know, it's really, really, really important to listen to those people when they're telling you, you know, everybody wants to be really cool and do like the punches and the kicks, but the falling, you know, keeping yourself safe and stretching properly, like those kind of things are part of the training too, because when I, you know, fell backwards in my scene, I hurt myself a little bit. And it was it was my fault, because I didn't do exactly, you know, what I was told to do. But, you know, it it was kind of a difficult fall anyway. But um, yeah, so it's it's just really important to listen to safety when it comes to stunt training. That's wonderful, because I think it also opens up your, uh, the spectrum of, of different jobs that you can take, because how beneficial is it that you're like, oh, I can also do my own stunts, whether it's light or medium or, or heavy stunt work, but that's wonderful. It's like knowing another language or things like that. It's just another tool in your in your utility belt that uh, makes it easier for someone to hire you. And I think when you make, the easier you make it for producers or directors to go, I wanna work with that person. And now we don't have to even hire another stunt. They can do their own stunts. That's fantastic. So I think, you're really doing yourself a, a major service by by doing that. And you're right. It is about safety. It's about keeping yourself safe um, as a performer. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. And um, now I know that you're also working on your own show. Well, you know what, yeah. before, so let's talk a little bit about 
some of the projects that you've been in, where, where people can find you. And then I definitely want to cover uh, your own, uh, I don't know if it's a sitcom, I, I know it's maybe a web-based uh, comedy, but I really want to dive into that. But uh, maybe first let's let's cover some of the projects that you've been involved in. What what have you done uh, that that you're proud of and that people can can find? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> recently, this everything that I've shot recently hasn't come out yet. You know how that is. I'm very proud of you know my more recent projects because as I train more and I get more. The, uh, the most important thing I think is getting comfortable with yourself and comfortable with being vulnerable in front of the camera, then my, my work looks better. But um, some of my proudest work is I did a film called Allergies that won quite a few awards. And <clears throat> that one, I have, um, I have a son. And at the time when I auditioned for it, I was just getting back into acting after having a baby. He was nine months old. I couldn't find anyone to watch him. And so I brought him in his car seat into the audition with me. And I was like, I couldn't find anyone to watch him. Is it okay? And they're like, well, the role's a mother, so sure. So he just sat there while, while I auditioned and I ended up getting the part. So, you know, it can be done. To any mothers out there who are also actors, it can be done. And then the other thing that I would say that I'm most proud of is actually another film that I made myself. And it's because it came from my soul and it came from my heart. And I'm also part of the LGBTQ community. So this has my own coming out story in it. And I'm going to release a director's cut version of it soon. But it won quite a few awards as well. And I won Best Director and some Audience Choice Awards, which it's always great to know at a festival that the audience thought your film was great enough to vote it to be the best. So that was a huge accomplishment for me, but I am most proud of that film out of all of the ones I've ever been in because I really, really, really put it all out on the line story-wise and, you know, forever it will be my sole film. Wonderful. Did you give us the name? What's the name of that? Oh, sorry. That one is called Dawn. Dawn? Dawn. Yeah. Wonderful. That wow. That's amazing. That that's that's a great story, and oh, and Happy Pride Month, by the way. Happy Pride Month. Oh, I just uh, I don't have it. This is the closest rainbow thing I have on right now. <laughs> well, good enough. Good enough. Uh, well, I mean, you are in Texas. I mean, I'm sure. Well, they say Austin's not Texas, but uh, so I'm sure Austin is, is a little bit different. But that must. Now, was that, and you said you had your own coming out story. Is that something that, that you'd be willing to discuss and talk about? Because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Texas might not be the easiest place for an alternative lifestyle. And, and I know that you're, and you're also, uh, I don't think you're closeted about being a hippie, but you're also, maybe you have that hippie vibe. What's that like growing up uh, in Texas or, I don't know, either being secretive about it or, you know, what what, what was your origin story, I guess, or coming out story, if you don't mind sharing that, because I feel like you can always my help. Origin, my origin superhero LGBT story. Um, <laughs> exactly. It, um, <clears throat> yeah, and I can talk about it now without getting too emotional, just because so much time has passed. But um, it was definitely difficult growing up in Texas. <clears throat> and I never really quite understood what was going on with me until I got to be a little bit older. I just knew that something was different. And 
I was about 19 and I had a girlfriend and um, it's, you can actually see basically this and Dawn. I didn't play the character because I was like, I don't think I, I can handle it. I needed to switch it. So I had the, the male uh, actor play this character, but um, you know, I got confronted by my, my parents and I basically came out to them in a fury of anger and some very hurtful things were said to me that are like forever seared into my brain. And, you know, and that, and that's something that I hope to pass down to my child and the next generation. That's one of my <clears throat> big goals with filmmaking is just to create a loving, supporting community for the next generation. So that way, when they're facing their trials and tribulations, when they're young, that they can feel empowered and supported to be themselves because I know what it's like. I, you know, had that conversation with my parents. It did not go well. I was uh, told that that was not allowed under our roof and I, my bag was packed for me and I was sent on my way. So I was kicked out and um, I couch surfed for a bit and then things were um, difficult because I was only working at a coffee shop and I was trying to go to college, but I couldn't really afford it on my own at the time. So I dropped out for a semester and um, decided to just kind of go back in the closet for a bit so I could have a roof over my head basically. And then that led me on a long journey in Houston where, I mean, if we're, if we're gonna lay it all out, uh, I was previously, you know, married to someone that I that I shouldn't have gotten married to and then part of that dissolving was part of the move to Austin and me finding myself and being true to myself because here in Austin you know um, I know there's a lot of stuff coming out in the news about you know Texas being very not accepting and <clears throat> as far as our lawmakers go that is very true but as far as the city of Austin and the people go, everyone's super accepting here and pretty liberal for the most part. And so that's why I felt accepted and loved and supported here when I moved here. And then I found people and surrounded myself with people who were like that. And so I feel like since that moment where I finally took the time to get to know myself after dealing with all of that trauma in the past, you know, accepting myself that I've really come into my own and found myself and it has helped my acting, my life, my confidence uh, tenfold. Wow, amazing. Well, well th thank you for sharing that because I, I know that we didn't talk about this before. So uh, I do appreciate you sharing that because it can it can be hurtful and bring up old memories and, and things like that. So you got married awfully young then. <laughs> is, that, is that a Texas thing? Yeah, is that Oh, definitely a Texas thing. I mean, I got married late compared to some of my people that I went to high school with. And I was 24, maybe 24, 25 at the time. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, for me, for me, that's awfully young because I, 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 you know, I only I got married when I was uh, already like in my, I don't know, 30s or maybe a little bit later so yeah, yeah. It, for me that's very young and then for you to, to even say i'm guessing some people get married right out of high school but 
it sounds like the path has been, you know, straightened back out, if you will. I guess that's probably not the right word to say. <laughs> <laughs> of all the words. <laughs> of all the words, that's probably not, not the, I, you know, but, but I feel like your path is, is uh, you are where you should be. So that, that's wonderful that things have, uh, have, have uh, worked out that way for, for you. Uh, has there been reconciliation with your parents? And is this something that you care to touch on? Yeah, um, we're good for the most part. When I had my son, we kind of, our relationship got a little bit better. Um, I still, there's still a little like twinge in my heart sometimes when I, you know, talk about certain things, but there's just certain things about my life that I either don't talk to them about, or I'm just, I mean, at this point I'm Lizzo, I'm going to be myself and everybody's got to accept it because I'm, I'm too old to be worrying about what other people think of me. They're not paying my bills. I'm not paying them no mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That is wonderful. What would you tell? Uh, I mean, I, it's sometimes it's easy to go, well, what would you tell yourself? But what would you tell a young actor or, you know, or just a young person that's maybe in that same situation where they're in not the most accepting, they're not growing up in the most accepting environment. Um, is there something that you can share with them that you think would, would help someone that's young and either struggling with their sexuality or coming out? Yeah. And I mean, I think the difference between then, cause this, that I'm not going to age myself, <laughs> but between then and between now is different. I feel like the world is a lot more, you know, accepting, but cause I, cause I mean, it was very difficult back then, you know, even to let any of your friends know. Um, but you know, there was that campaign that it gets better campaign. If you remember that, that they had for a while. And that is such a tough thing to hear when you're LGBTQIA youth, because knowing that it gets better in the future at some point, but not right now is, is tough because we don't know until we've been through it. And then we're like, oh, it does get better. So if I were to say something to LGBTQIA youth that are struggling with their sexuality and have especially no support system. I'm trying to think, you know, what I could even say to somebody dealing with that, because at the time I'm thinking, what did I need to hear? You know, what I needed to hear from my parents was, okay, but we still love you and support you. So if you can find the people around you who will love and support you when they won't, um, family doesn't have to be blood, you know? And those kinds of things are actually in Dawn. All of the things, the character I play, her name is Dawn. And she is basically the person I wish would have been there for me back then. The person I wish would have guided me through those dark times. Sure. Yeah. Wonderful. Where can people see Dawn? Is, is that available uh, anywhere where it can be seen? So it's on Vimeo right now. And then I'm almost done with the director's cut version. I wanted something a little closer to my original vision. The, uh, yeah, vision. But once I release the director's cut version, I'm going to try to do it this month during Pride Month. I want to also release um, donation links to Out Youth which is an organization here for LGBT youth in Central Texas and also the Trevor Project, would help, which helps with um, LGBT youth, um, especially with suicide, because the suicide rate is pretty high. So I'm hoping, you know, we can 
release it and then also have some donations to some of these charities that help people going through the same thing. Wonderful. Well, I, you know what, I do appreciate you sharing your story and I thought it'd be appropriate. And I, I, you know, I didn't know your, your full background, but I knew that you were at least an ally because, you know, you see the flag on people's profiles. So I thought that this would be a great way to celebrate pride month because, you know, I, I try to be an ally as best I can. And I'm sure I, I, I'm not successful all the time. So thank you for, you know, sharing your story because if we can help someone and we can use this platform to help someone, I think that's uh, it's a good place to be. So thank you, Lauren, for, for sharing that. And, and by the way, you have, I think you have such a great name uh, to be, to be an actor. So is, is that your real name? Lauren, is it Lauren locks or uh, is that a stage name? <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, Paul Vato, it's, 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 uh, it's a stage name. I tell people that I'm also a dancer and for some reason they believe me uh, and they really really think I'm a stripper. And then I tell them, no, 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 it's I'm an actor. And then that, they're like, okay, yeah, that makes more sense. I'm like, well, how dare you judge me? Because I could be a dancer if I wanted to. Um, Yeah. I think I'd just go by like cinnamon. (laughs) Cinnamon. Cinnamon, yeah, that's a good one. Candy, cinnamon. What's up? What's up, cinnamon? I'm gonna call you cinnamon from now on, if that's all right. Lauren Locks slash cinnamon slash uh, Foxy Loxy. Any of them work, really. Let's walk to the stage, Foxy Loxy, aka cinnamon. Amazing, that's wonderful. Uh, you are so funny. Speaking of funny, tell me a little bit about your um, show that you're working on, your own comedy which I know revolves around the world of acting. Yes. Okay. So the newest project, it actually started as a writing exercise just to see if I could even write comedy because everything I've done before has been drama focused because we all want to be the next great drama actor. But I was like, let's challenge ourselves. So um, yeah, it's called Making It and it is a comedic web series and it is focused on a brand new actress who moves to a new market who is trying to make it, you know, she's, she's brand new and she's just making all these hilarious mistakes that we all made in the beginning of our acting careers. And she is just effing it up royally one after the other. So she's kind of going through this meandering, figuring out the business, but also, you know, it's, it's revolved around her life, her relationships with, her parents, her friends, you know, dating people who may or may not be in the industry, all kinds of things. That's that's wonderful. How far along are are you? Is it written? Uh, is it? Have you produced any episodes? And is it an episodic? Yes, it is episodic. So I wrote when I decided to challenge myself to do this, I kind of came up with the concepts and outlined like the main points of the episodes. And originally there were seven. I wrote them all in one week because I just get, sometimes when I'm ambitious and motivated, it's just, it's go time. And uh, one of my friends calls it my Phoenix phase. But um, so I was in a Phoenix phase and I wrote all seven episodes. And then I was like, what happened was I put out a post on Facebook and I said, if I were to make this comedic web series about this, who would be interested in, you know, just volunteering for fun. Mm -hmm. 
And I got way more interest in it than I thought I would. So then I thought, well, if people are actually interested in this, maybe I should actually try to crowdfund. So then I crowdfunded and I raised all the money plus a little in a week. Yeah. Wow. What, what a support system you have. That's amazing. It was, it was pretty, pretty great. So we're making it now. And because that went so well and crowdfunding campaigns are so difficult and I had seen so many friends do them and not go well that I was nervous to do it, but luckily it worked out for me. And, uh, and I made a really, I think, I think my promo video was pretty good too. So, um, once, once that went well, I decided to split it up and kind of make 10 episodes. So it's going to be 10. We've shot parts of a few episodes. And then this weekend we're going out of order, but this weekend we're shooting the final two episodes. Cause I need a lot of actors for those. And then we're, uh, going back and going back to the beginning and starting with one and two. That's wonderful. And what have you learned though, producing your own uh, content? Because I, you know, we hear that often, which is, you know, like now you don't have an excuse and everything you need to shoot, you have in your pocket, you can use your phone, you can do all that to even to edit. And that's the other thing. What are you, what are you shooting it on? Are, are you shooting it on your iPhones? Have you, have you rented equipment? But what, most importantly, what have you learned as a producer uh, having to do this on your own? So as a producer, and also because I wrote the episodes, I learned the hard way after making my first film, which was called Fate and has vampires. <laughs> um, I learned after that one, write what you have access to. So um, every episode that I wrote for this location-wise, I was using locations I already knew I had access to or could get access to easily. People, since it was a volunteer project, people I already knew that would fit roles. Um, and equipment-wise, um, I have some of my own. Over the past few years, I've accumulated like quite a bit of equipment over the years. And then a little bit of the crowdfunding money was spent for some equipment that I needed. I just upgraded my mic system to have the RODE-GO wireless mic system that um, hooks right onto the camera. So now I don't have to sync the audio separately. It's just going to be right on there and it's going to be so much easier to edit. But um, yeah, producing wise, you have to have a team that has your back. I have, you know, people that I call like my film wives and my film husbands and my, you know, and they're, they're always there for me. And they're, you know, as long as they're available, they are always down to help out. And it's good to have, you know, speaking of support systems, uh, it's good to have a support system for that. And um, yeah, the, the hard part is, you know, availability, scheduling. Sometimes I even do my own shot list when I'm working with a cinematographer, it just depends. And then uh, what was the other thing you asked? Oh, camera. I have a Lumix G85 that I got a couple years ago. I upgraded some of the lenses, so now it's a little bit better. And then um, I have a couple of different cinematographers that are helping me out. Since it's volunteer, I'm not, you know, using the same person every time because 10 episodes for somebody to be volunteering their time is a lot. So um, this weekend we're shooting on the Sony, uh, what is it, the AS7 III? I don't know exactly what it's called, which is probably 
doesn't make me look great. But. Close enough. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. hey, you're you're the writer, you're the producer, you're the director. I don't think you need to know uh, exactly what equipment, but you're using you know digital SLRs and you're shooting yes. with that. But uh, you know, I don't think that that should keep anyone uh, away. You know, like like if uh, I would I would think that you would agree with use what you have. And I think that's a great lesson is, you know, you are definitely going to your resources. This is like guerrilla filmmaking. You're like, okay, I, what I learned from my first film is don't try to get locations that I don't have access to or actors that I don't have access to. You're, you know, you're teaching people that it can be done, but you know, know, know what your resources and your limitations are. So that's wonderful that, that you are uh, sharing that because I think it will help. And that's kind of what I want this series to also I want it to be inspiring. I want it to help. And you've been very inspiring, you know, with uh, being so selfless and sharing your story, but then also behind the scenes of the projects and projects that you've uh, are working on and have been working on. So I do appreciate you, you sharing that. Yeah. You don't need to know exactly which equipment it is, but know that it's, it's good digital uh, SLR equipment and whatnot. So that's wonderful. Yeah, and I will say, you know, if you're going to direct and produce your own stuff, specifically if you're directing something you wrote and you don't have a lot of camera experience, this is something one of um, the cinematographer that worked on Dawn and who is one of my really good friends, and he's a fantastic cinematographer, said to me, he said, directors always have their visions of how they want it to go in their head. He's like, but a cinematographer can tell you what will and won't work and also give you suggestions that'll make things better. And he is absolutely right. Absolutely. That's wow. What a great team that you guys make. Uh, and you know, the nice thing is I'm sure he's getting a lot of great footage for his own reel, or, or, or I don't think, you know, somebody's going to help you if it's not also going to behoove them. So that's, I mean, I'm sure that's not the only reason he's helping you, but you know, that's wonderful that, that it kind of works both ways where he gets something out of it uh, and, and gets to help you on this amazing project. Well, I, for one, can't wait to, to see it. So, you know, <laughs> let me know. And when it's ready, if you want to come back and promote it and talk about it, I would love to have you come back on and we can, you know, uh, try to get some eyeballs on it. So, yeah, thank you for sharing oh, yeah. your story so far. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, do you have any either final thoughts or uh, something that you'd like to leave your audience with. And, and for anyone that's here, uh, if you click on the fortune cookie, I did put uh, it's laurenlocks.com. Is that correct? Is that your website yeah. or where can people find your work? And then also, of course, any final thoughts or things that you'd like to leave the audience with? Yeah. Um, as far as acting goes, you know, um, there's always an acting, writing, directing, all of it, right? There's always this uh, like kind of anxiety, scary thing about when you wanna jump into it for the first time or when you wanna jump into a next level or you wanna set a boundary or you wanna tell your agent something about you that you wanna focus on, which sidebar um, with me being LGBTQ a while back, a bunch of people tagged me in um, there was a Netflix film filming here and they were specifically looking for a female LGBTQ actress in Austin. And so a bunch of people tagged me and I got the audition outside of my agents. And so I shared that with them and said, Hey, I got an audition for this. I just wanted to let you know in the future that if you see any roles like that pop up, please, you know, think of me for it because I identify as LGBTQ. 
and the amount of auditions that I've gotten because of that fact and sharing it with my agent has multiplied. It was like five this year alone, and they've been for pretty big things. Um, but my, my point out of the sidebar is that we all have this kind of like anxiety, like inhaled breath that we don't want to exhale before we're about to take that next step or jump into something new or, you know, even if you want to make something of your own, just, you know, exhale and jump into it. Just go ahead and do it because you, you know, you're going to fail sometimes. That's totally okay. I am here to fail so much so I can start having some wins. That's how I feel about it. That's wonderful. That is such, such, such great advice and all true. It's uh, it's, it's a numbers game sometimes and we're not failing. Uh, you know, sometimes people say we're failing upward or we're, we're failing forward because they're not failures. If you learn from that, it's not a failure. It just makes us better for the next time. You basically learn how to do things a different way. Like, okay, this way didn't work, but maybe now this way it will. So that is Lauren. Thank you so much. That's uh, wonderful advice. And this is something new. Uh, and, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah. uh, <laughs> will you go out with me? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. I do drag. Maybe that'll help. No. Um, what would you call this episode? Sorry. <laughs> do you? Uh, I do. Actually, I do have a drag character and her name is Barbara Koa, which sounds like Barbara, Barbara. Koa. Barbara Coa, spelled like Barbara Streisand. Uh, she's from Texas, actually. As a matter of fact, this character, Barbara Coa, oh. is uh, as an homage to my mom, who's from the Valley. I think it's called the Valley. She was born in Harlingen and raised in McAllen, Texas. Um, so Barbara Coa, and as an excuse, because I, I don't think I could walk in heels, I could just see that being a disaster. So she always wears cowboy boots because she's from Texas. That's smart. That is so smart because, you know, if you see a drag queen wearing, I am obsessed, by the way, with drag everything, drag kings, drag queens, RuPaul's drag. I've seen every episode of everything ever. And, uh, and I go to local drag shows, support local drag. That's what I want to leave you with um, <laughs> in your city. But I, that, that is beautiful because if you see one wearing, you know, kitten heels or flats, you're like, hmm, but cowboy boots, that's, that's smart. Cowboy boots, you know, uh, because I was like, well, she's from Texas. Of course she wears cowboy boots. But I could just see myself twisting my ankle. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be the first straight guy on RuPaul's Drag Race, but I think somebody already took that. Matching purposes. Yeah, and it didn't go very well for him, I don't think. People, they were not very happy. He, he did okay. He just, um, the thing that they said to him was that he didn't, they were like, you're missing that. It's basically sometimes, you know, when you when you see yourself taped back, from a while back and you realize you're still missing that oomph, that spark that makes you you like he needed to kind of like step it up a little bit basically yeah he needed to be gay i think I... <laughs> yes he needed that, that... i want to be a drag queen like can i be a, a drag queen even though i always already am a female i think you could be a drag king but uh, but you actually want to dress like a drag queen as a female, I'm sure you could, of course, right? Yeah, I mean, I just want to feel fabulous, basically. Sure, sure. Well, you look fabulous, <laughs> so you, you know they, they cannot take that away from you. But yeah, um, I'll have to send you a photo. I have a great photo of me and Wendy McClendon Covey, name drop, 
who's uh, the star of the Goldbergs. They just congratulations to them. They just got renewed for a tenth season. And she, for those that don't know, she was in Bridesmaids. She was also in Reno Nine One One. She played Deputy Clementine. I think she's so talented. So I have a photo of us together, both at DragCon because we we used, I used to take him to drag. She and her husband, I would take him to uh, to DragCon, and then um, we had a, for my ex wife we had a birthday party that was uh, drag themed. So she 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 was in drag as a man, and I was as Barbara Coa. It was I it was probably my drag coming out party because uh, you know it st- always starts out as a joke like oh it's Halloween. And my ex-wife was like, oh, you make a beautiful woman. <laughs> like, See, you know, there was- And I I have the thing where I, like, kind of want to dress up as a man every Halloween. I mean, like, I'm, I'm planning to do Rufio at some point. But if you scroll down in my Instagram, there's a picture of me as Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park from Halloween this past year. Really? Oh, yeah. I want to talk about something else before I forget. Well, remind me of Jeff Goldblum. But... Um, that okay that's amazing well maybe uh if you come to vegas because you know vegas is fantastic for halloween uh or we can go to weho i don't know the 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 mecca of of halloween where halloween probably started Uh, i i know that they're already planning their halloween i'm sure in west hollywood uh yeah we we, you know what a great couple you could be jeff goldblum and i could be barbara Barbara I mean, Cola. I have like a strong enough jawline to pull it off. Maybe I don't. <laughs> you do a Jeff Goldblum impression, or was it more just the way you looked? Oh, I just mean to to be a man in general. You oh, know, to be a man in to, general. To, to to drag king. To drag king it up, yeah. Of course, I think yeah. you'd make a wonderful uh, drag king. But I want to thank you, uh, Detective Locks, as I like to call you. Yes. Do, do you know? Do you know what I'm going to bring up? About Jeff Yes, Goldblum. I do. <laughs> okay, okay. So I had in my camera, for those that don't know, which is everybody else, and I just remembered, in my camera, I I was walking around downtown L.A. one year, like must have been 2015, and we see this guy on a piano going up a, up a building, and then, and then people in, like, uh, choir robes walking out of this apartment building, clapping, and they're obviously they're filming a commercial. I'm an actor. I'm always like, oh, how can I get in on this? I'm like, well, it's too late. You know, you didn't audition for this. That's not for you. And I wasn't acting back then. You know what? No, I, I'd done that movie with Nicolas Cage. So I was, but I really, I didn't have an agent in LA or anything. So my ex and I were walking. So I just started filming it. I'm like, wow, what are they filming here? So I forgot all about it. And then years later, because I'm looking for content to put up on Instagram for shorts and YouTube shorts and TikTok. And I find this old video. I'm like, oh, let me put this up. But I had no idea what it was. So, of course, I put my feelers out there. And I'm like, there's this guy in a piano playing piano and then going up a building uh, via like a, like a, what's a, not a forklift, whatever, you know, those things are that. that yeah, it was some kind of crane or something. Crane. Thank you. It was such yeah. a simple word. I couldn't think of it. But it's being lifted on this crane up the side of a building and he's playing the piano like, that's amazing. And then I remembered, well, I didn't remember what it was. So I put it out there. And you, Lauren, Detective Lauren Locks, uh, somehow figured out what it was. Uh, do you want to tell the people what it was? Oh, yeah. I, as soon as you posted that, I recognized it. I was like, that's that Jeff Goldblum commercial. And I think, was it Hotel.com or something like that? It was exactly for Hotel.com. See? And <laughs> what a memory on you. And as soon as you said it, I was like, 
Yes, of course. Because I remember Jeff Goldblum. He has a very distinctive way of playing because I've seen him play live uh, in West Hollywood uh, at a place called, I think he played at the Abbey. Uh, because I remember going to see him. I would go see him or Pearl. I forget. It was it was at a gay venue. It was a venue that happened to host gay events. Well, it's West Hollywood. Yeah. I've been to the Aldi. And he, uh, he has this very distinct way of playing the piano. Uh, so as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, yes, that is Jeff Goldblum playing the piano. And it's a commercial for hotels or hotel.com. And uh, he was playing the theme song. Well, that's what they played in the commercial was to the Jeffersons moving on up. Yes. And at the top, there was George Jefferson, who was the, 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 the uh, was it George Washington? Uh, and then little Wayne maybe was in that commercial as well, but it was, it was exactly. I remember Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. He has aged like a fine wine and, you know, world forgive me, but he is a daddy and I am not mad about it. Wow, not so gay then after all, are you? Oh, I mean, well, you know, we 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 like both. We like both. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that that is good to to hear. So, um, well, I want to thank everyone for spending some time here and Lauren, especially you for, for sharing so much. Uh, and I hope that somebody listens to this and it helps them, especially right now during uh during Pride. Uh, and but that's not the only reason, of course, I'm doing this. I, I, I value you as a friend, as a detective, uh, as an artist and all of the above. So so thank you so much for taking time to share with us your story and and some of your journey to get where you are now. How can people uh, support you? Where, where can they find you? Uh, what would you like? Uh, do you have a call to action that you would like people to um, um, to follow you somewhere? Yeah, um, you can find me on both Instagram and Twitter, for those of you who still Twitter, uh, at Lauren Rose Locks. It's, you know, uh, pretty much similar to this, but with the flower in the middle. And then um, the web series um, account, we're still building it up, but it is at Really Making It on Instagram. And I think that's it. And then my website's laurenlocks.com if you, you know, want to want to dive deeper, but those are where you can find me on socials for the most part. Amazing, Lauren. Well, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, I am Paul Vato, and what I would ask for people, if you guys would be so kind as to find the podcast Paul Vato Presents. Uh, if you go to paulvato.com or vato.tv, the, you can then find a link to my podcast. But especially if you could find it on iTunes and on Spotify and give it a like and a follow and a subscribe and maybe even leave a review. Uh, This will probably be up next week sometime. I'm usually about one week uh, behind or ahead of time. I don't know which way to say it. (laughs) Uh, So I want to thank everyone for being here. And please, if you're in here, please let's give uh, Lauren a round of applause. And once again, Lauren, thank you so much for for being here. Thank thank you. you. Yes, everyone. Yeah, Round absolutely. Thank you for, for having me. That's very sweet. Y'all Thanks. are sweet. Y'all, uh, are so sweet. y'all, you are from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are so sweet. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Yeah.